When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. talk this is your host alan and we are burning the phone lines out to vancouver not washington but british columbia up to canada and uh my next guest is robert Connolly fair and he is a singer songwriter originally from bentonia mississippi benton mississippi is that right well uh i'm originally from bolton mississippi bolton uh, uh, which is not not too far as the crow flies from Bentonia. Yeah, because uh, legend has it you uh you studied under oh uh, Jimmy Duck Combs. That, that's it. That's it, Alan. Uh, yeah, I met Jimmy. Uh, I guess it was about three three or four come up four years ago now, and and he started showing me you know his his. His style of the of the blues, which is called the Bentonia blues. That's right. And uh, well, man, let's uh, let's start from the beginning. Of uh, tell me a little bit about growing up in Bolton and uh, how you got into music. Right on. Well, uh, we we moved. I was I was actually born in Auburn, Alabama, <laughs> in '78, and uh, we moved to Bolton not long after that, and. Uh, that's just a little town, you know, right in the middle between Jackson and Vicksburg, Mississippi. Yeah. Um, well, I, yeah. Uh, what was that? 
Why? Why'd y'all move there? You know, my dad, he was he was starting a vet clinic, and he had a couple of spots. He grew up in Jackson, Mississippi, and um, but his his father and and his father's family was from north of Bolton, outside of Edwards, Mississippi, and uh, so we we've been from there since you know the early 1800s, and. Um, my dad wanted to be in the kind of vicinity of his original home, and so I think that's why he—I think that's why he chose Bolton. Okay, he just wanted to get back to his roots. Yeah, yeah, and uh, actually, it's kind of cool because the, the the building that he bought, that he put his vet clinic in, is so old brick building, and it's been in downtown Bolton for over a hundred years. And at the turn of the night, the twentieth century, nineteenth century. Um, it, it was owned by uh, a far who was a, a, a doctor at a hundred years ago. <laughs> well, how about uh, that? There's a bit of a, yeah, a bit of some of history there. So, um, but yeah, you know, it, it was really cool growing up in Bolton. Um, you know, I was uh, there wasn't too many uh, white kids, so I, you know, I was a minority, and I went to public schools and. Uh, and the cool thing about that was I, I had a lot of uh, black friends, and uh, a lot of the kids that I, you know, the white kids that I grew up with, went to private school. So it was a bit different, and um, you know, so I listened to a bit different music growing up. Like I kind of got into rap and stuff like that, and, mm -hmm. and you know, um, yeah, I, I skateboarded in Bolton. A lot of my friends they played. Uh, you know, football or basketball or soccer, and I drew my hair out and started playing guitar and skateboarding. And, you know, I just, I don't know, I kind of always marched to the tune of a different drummer, I guess. And um, and I always felt like I wanted to get out of Bolton. I, I didn't know anything about the history of Bolton at the time, and I just wanted to leave. I just felt so out of place. And uh, it wasn't until, you know, fast forward, you know, 25 years later when I'm living in Canada and, and I realized that, oh yeah, Charlie Patton is from Bolton, Mississippi. You know? Yeah. And it just blew me away that, you know, Sam Chapman, that Bo Carter, that, uh, you know, all of these guys, like the Mississippi Sheiks, you know, grew mm -hmm. up playing in around, in and around Bolton, Mississippi. You know, that's where a lot of this started, so. Yeah, that was uh. You, know, you can kind of spend your spend your whole life trying to get away from somewhere, and then you end up right back there. <laughs> right, man. Uh, when I was checking your uh, website out and everything, and I was looking, you know, uh, Mississippi Sheiks, I've uh, played under Jimmy Duck Combs, just, uh, just that Bolton, Mississippi, and then I see Canada, and I was like, now how in the heck? So how how did uh. <laughs> I don't want to get too far ahead in the story, but how'd you end up up there? Well, I, I had, uh, let's see, it was, I finished school, um, I studied architecture at Auburn, and spent a few years uh, after I finished school working for their nonprofit program south of Tuscaloosa there. And when I finished there, um, that was in Greensboro, when I finished there, I went up to Seattle to see a friend of mine and just took a little weekend trip up into Vancouver and it was just perfect timing. Like I was looking for a job and, you know, decided to go up there for a, you know, long stay and I had a job within a couple of weeks. So I've been up here ever since. <laughs> I got you. Man, it's kind of crazy you bring yeah. up Auburn and architecture. I was just in Greensboro last weekend with Tim Higgins and we were... Um, oh, right on. Yeah, we were, I mean... Uh, we were, you know, I was just learning about, like, uh, Auburn has a school here. It's where they send the architectural types, and they have to design something. Yeah, yeah. And, I mean, that's uh, a, yeah, and they're kind of, de they're kind of developing a scene in Auburn, or not, in Greensboro, and a big part of that is those Auburn students. Yeah, yeah, it's, you know, I, let's see, I went out there the first year, it would have been in 2002, 2003, we worked on the Music Man house, and then I spent another summer out there, and, you know, just kind of hanging out, working on projects, and then I spent my thesis year, and the following year and a half, out there working on the animal shelter, 
which was by the was by the uh, you might have passed it going in if you went in from Utah, um, but that's what I worked on. You know, there's so many amazing little places out there, and uh, you know because they've been there for you know tw- twenty years now, I guess. Um, yeah. And and so it's really cool to see like because now what you're starting to see is other little programs that are coming into the downtown. Like there was a print shop that opened up downtown. There was a pie lab that opened up, like a little baking shop. Mm-hmm. There was a nonprofit organization that helped people get money to build houses. Um, you know, so like it started to generate like all of this like new life in this old downtown <laughs> it's really cool that's right we walked downtown and uh all those things you mentioned i mean they're there um you know yeah, and so i yeah. mean that is it's very fresh on my mind and what's crazy about or it had to be going from you know bolton to winding up in greensboro is once again greensboro is a predominantly black town yes that's true that's true and um, the reason that Rural Studio ended up where it did, um, I don't know if you know the story behind it, but it was started by an architect named Sambo Motley. Sambo was from Canton, Mississippi, which is also not far from, you know, it's just a hop, skip, and a jump from Bentoni on 22. Yeah. Um, Sambo, uh, his, his firm in Mississippi was struggling a bit. He took a teaching gig at Auburn to make some extra money, and so... Once a week, he'd drive right through where you are, you know, down in, in through Hale County and then over to Auburn to do his lectures while he went. And what he noticed is that Hale County was was uh, actually the most impoverished county in America at the time it was, at least, and it might still be. So what he decided to do was uh, he asked the school if he could take a couple of kids and go out there for a week or two at a time and build like uh renovate somebody's bathroom or put a handicap accessible ramp onto the house and so they started uh, fixing a doorway or a leak in a roof and so it started small like that and then it kind of grew into bigger projects where they'd actually build a house and then it started into these community projects and then you start to see other people coming into the downtown and so if like from a kind of architectural or an urban design kind of standpoint, like it's a very, it's very invigorating to see a town kind of come to life again, just based on somebody that wants to do something. But it was, it was because it was the most impoverished town. Like that's where life kind of happens when we're in the, the kind of the dinge or the dirt, you know, so like then right. something starts to sparkle, you know, like that's what's really cool about that place. Well, man, let's but, take, uh, let's yeah, take a, he's, he's, he's a good guy if you ever get to look him up. Okay. I will. Um, yeah, let's, let's take a step back just to those, uh, early Bolton days. And, uh, you mentioned, um, you know, a beat of a different drum, uh, you were into uh, hip hop and rap, and so um, oh. pave that way to guitar. Or what instrument would you pick up first? Well, you know, it was you know hip hop, rap. Man, I was into country music. I remember I had a stack of Kiss tapes up to my waist. Life, <laughs> uh, you know, at one point, and uh, you know, I, I, I kind of ran the gamut. But um, I remember being uh, picking up the guitar right around the time that. Nirvana's Nevermind album came out and you know learning a few bar chords and and it didn't really stick though until about three years later I think I was uh, 19 and uh, I picked up a acoustic guitar and I took a class out at Hines Community College which is near in St. Raymond Mississippi where actually uh, the person that wrote When the Levee Breaks is from is in Mississippi. Yeah, I don't know if Led, Led Zeppelin, Zeppelin ever wrote a song. <laughs> but I still love him. That's the truth. Yeah, I do too, I do too. Um, but yeah, I took a class and uh, somebody gave me this Neil Young Decade album. Man, like, I just, I found a book and I learned every song on that album. And um, I think that was what kind of uh, started me. It was Neil Young and Skinner. I remember the first time I hit that you know simple man riff and i then as soon as i played it and i figured i was like man i can play guitar now like it, i remember that day like in, in my head i was like 
I was young, man, and I was like, oh, shit, I can play with guitar. <laughs> yeah, uh, that's, you know, those Skinner drifts, that's a big deal for a lot of people, especially, you know, from the South, specifically if you're from Alabama, oh. is right when you learn yeah. how to do that Sweet Home Alabama riff or that Simple Man riff, something happens inside of you. That's it. That's it, man. Like, it's, you know, and, and the really beautiful part about a lot of those Skinner drifts is they're rooted in in the blues. That's right. You know, that's exactly what that is. That's so right. That's what I found so so interesting about about Jimmy Duck and when I met him and starting to learn about how you know his style of the blues, you know, very obscure and it's very uh, minimal. And so when something becomes that minimal there's so many possibilities. And so you can start to see how something like that might have influenced some of those old Southern rock riffs, you know, that the Allen Brothers or like Skinner was coming up with, you know? Yeah. So how, how'd you come across Jimmy? Um, man, it, you know, it was really cool. I, uh, well, it was scary at the time, but I got a, I got a call one day that my father, they had found an inoperable tumor behind his heart and I needed to come home and, you know, you know, we needed to talk about some stuff as a family kind of thing. So I jumped on a plane and I went home. And by the time I got home, you know, six, seven, eight hours later, the doctor's like, well, I don't think it's as bad as we thought, but it's good we're here. You know, so anyway, it was a serious time. And and um, my I spent a couple of weeks home. And my father and I spent some time <clears throat> one day just driving up into the Delta just to explore and see some Jeep joints and, um, and we took 61 out of Vicksburg and went all the way up to Clarksdale, had some food, and then we came back down and took, uh, ended up on 49, taken to Yazoo City. And, um, because we live on Highway 22, kind of in between Flora and Edwards, uh, you know, you can kind of, we just went home the back way. And uh -huh. you go through Bentonia. And, and I told my dad, I was like, man, there's this beautiful old Jeep joint that um, I've always stopped by to take pictures of. I've heard stories about it, but I've never been in it. And uh, he said, well, let's, let's go by there and, and take a picture of it. And so we pulled up in front, and the front door was open. And I told my dad, I was like, I got I to gotta go in there and see what this is about. And I stuck my head in, and this old Jeep joint, you know, cinder block building with some you know tables and chairs and a bar on one side and a fireplace at the other end yeah uh -huh. bunch of guitars on the wall and uh and fellow standing behind the counter i asked him you know if it was all right if i came in he said yeah come on in and <clears throat> we got to talking and that was jimmy and, and i asked him if, if he'd play me a song and and he, he sat down and he played me, uh, uh, it must have been the devil. And I mean, it was the most haunting song I had ever heard. And, and, and I knew right then, I was like, oh, I've seen him on YouTube. <laughs> I told him, I said, I think I've seen you on YouTube. And he's like, oh yeah, they got me all over the YouTube. <laughs> and uh, he kind of chuckled and uh, he's like, they, they, they're taking me all over the world with this blues music. They really and are. Anyway, that, they, you know, yeah, and, and so I, I ended up that year going home, you know, three or four times, and every day, every time I'd go home, I'd, I'd ride out and see Jimmy and give me a lesson or two, and then he came up here, he, uh, he's been up here two or three times to do shows, play festivals, so every time we get together, he shows me something else, and if I go home, I'll go out there, and he'll say, and he'll It'll be like Mr. Miyagi and a karate kid. If I me sitting there playing, he said, play that intro to Catfish. You know, I'll be playing it, playing it. He'll be cleaning up something. He'll go, all right, all right, now play it again. Play it, play it a little bit slower, you know. And he, he really, he's like, slow down, you know, slow down. <laughs> Man, that sounds like one of my old guitar teachers is, uh, you know, anytime I would learn a riff or I would, you know, learn anything, it would always be just a little fast. And, uh, like you kind of want to do that. <laughs> yeah, I don't. I don't know what that is, especially like when you're, when you're cutting your teeth on guitar or you're learning a new style. Well, I don't. I don't know what that mentality is, but it. 
I only feel accomplished if I can do it fast. Van Halen style. <laughs> exactly, exactly. I, you know, and I think that's what is so interesting about <clears throat> this particular style of music is because it's, it's totally about the opposite. That's right. It's about feeling it, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I met a, uh, he's been on the podcast, his name is uh, Philip Sable. He lives just outside of Philadelphia, and, and he plays under uh, Jimmy as well, and he played uh, Catfish. Uh, he played Catfish for the show. Uh, you can go back and check that episode out, and that that episode, it was special to me, because uh, I have a, you know, those old blues markers and those old juke joints. I make those drives, too, and having somebody... Wow. You know, especially after all this COVID stuff is over with, um, I'm going to go down uh, to the Blues Front Cafe and have Jimmy Duck on the show. Nice. And, um, nice. But, it, but it's so good to talk to uh, people who have been under him and have played with him because, man, those that style and just, just the tuning of it, like it's... Like you said, it's very minimal, but at the same time, there's a lot going on. Yeah, man. Like it's, yeah, I've I've kind of I've taken video of Jimmy and I've shown it to my guitar teacher, who's one of the Pacific Northwest, if not North America's, uh, one of their most renowned rockabilly and blues players. And, and he looked at it and he was just like, "It sounds like three people playing that thing." Uh-huh. Like, that's... And it's so... And you watch him, and it doesn't seem like it's that technical. And he'll tell you right away. He's like, I, he's like, yeah, I, don't, I don't play well. <laughs> you know? It, and But that's what he tells me, because it's not about the technicality of it. It's about the heart of it. Yeah. Yeah, man. Uh, so, uh, walk me up after uh, sitting down with Jimmy. You're going back and forth to Vancouver. And, uh, I mean, uh, when did you start working on, uh, the album and having this song that was nominated for 2019, you know, uh, for being the best song of that genre? Well, like, um, that was, yeah, 2019, that was really cool. Uh, like, um, so that first year I met Jimmy, man, I was just, I was so inspired and, you know, I think, uh, you know, man, it was like the songs were just coming so quick, and I, I went out to a buddy's place about six hours east of here in Lethbridge, Alberta, and um, I made this album called Dirty South Blues, and uh, it was the first kind of real blues album I did that kind of dove into that Bentonian sound, and it was just so much fun, and and we covered one of Jimmy's songs on it, and that album actually got me a nomination for songwriter of the year up here wow and, uh, also new artist of the year and that was you know it was really cool um because i mean i've been writing i mean i've released like four or five albums before that and, um you know to, to release that one and you know to really like i could feel it as soon as we recorded it it's like i just you know, you could tell it was something different. You know, it wasn't like the typical kind of stuff we had been doing. And uh, so what? that was really cool. And what's that? So, what did those previous albums? Was it more rockabilly or country or? It was, it was more like kind of Southern rock or Americana, like singer songwriter. Like, you know, we got a lot of comparisons to like Steve Earle or Bruce Springsteen or something like that. Okay. And. You know, it was, uh, and it was all, you know, we always got good reviews, but it never really kind of took off. It wasn't until that Dirty South Blues album that it was like, okay, something's happening here, you know. And, uh, you know, there, so, there, there's just yeah, something was, about it that resonates with people. Yeah, I think it's, uh, you know, one thing that, you know, for me, it's those minor notes, man. It's just, you know, like, that, that was the thing. It's like I'd watch Jimmy play and he hit this note. And I remember just for a year trying to find what he was doing, and it and it was and it was a full year after I met him until I hit that note one day, and I was like, "That's it, right there," you know. And that's that Bentonia sound. And so, 
you know, I think that's what Jimmy's talking about. He's like, slow down, just spend some time with it. You know, when you hit it, you'll know it. And um, so, you know, we released that Dirty South Blues album, and then, and then, you know, I had already been kind of going home and stuff, and I just kept writing songs, and that was what turned into this Country Supper album. Yeah. Man, that's, uh, just back to that, uh, that blues album you did, um, I believe in that power. I think it goes back to what you said earlier. It's, uh, it's haunting, and it, it, there is something about those, those minor notes, man. Um, I won't never forget the first time I heard a Jimmy Duck Holmes song. It was almost like, uh, hearing that old Robert Johnson recording when there's rain outside and... It almost feels like the devil was in the room with him. Yeah, yeah. There's just something about it, man. Well, and, well there is, <laughs> you know, um, I think that's, I think that's one of the things that's so, you know, kind of attractive to me about it is how close spirituality and the devil live in that in that genre of music you know I mean it's you know you take somebody like Leo Bud Welch or Skip James in his later years you know Leo Bud Welch he, he you know he was a preacher but mm -hmm. he played in the church his whole life you know Skip James ended up being a deacon or a preacher um you know kind of going into an early retirement before coming back out towards the end of his life and you know there's something so you know, and, and I get it, right? Like, you know, people didn't want their kids playing blues music because they didn't want them hanging out at the juke joints. And, you know, because that's where the gambling and the stabbings and the drinking was, right? So that's right. I, I totally get it, right? You know, but then there was this kind of, like, element of the devil that kind of popped up in stories like Tommy Johnson or uh, Robert Johnson, you know. Yeah, with the crossroads. Selling the soul to the devil, yeah. <laughs> so it's interesting to... You know, then it becomes kind of like a more of an urban legend, you know. Um, but man, when you hear and when you hear that stop that that bentonia sound, that is that's that dark that's that darkness, you know. That's and right. You don't hear it in a lot of the other like Delta blues or, you know, Chicago style or Texas or you know what I mean? Like that's you know, man, when it hits in that style, you can hear it. It's, it's dark. <laughs> yeah, it's it's different. Uh, I think it's the key, right? That uh, that's what divides it is uh, those Chicago style plays out of the map, uh, the major key, but Ben Tony is out of the minor, right? It is, it is, and um, and it's interesting to watch Jimmy play because and to listen to him talk about it because he keeps a finger locked in, so when he's playing. He's, he's constantly alternating between a major and a minor chord. And I think that's one of the things that sounds so intriguing about his his particular style is he's constantly moving in and out of whatever uh, chord, whatever tuning he's in. Like he could be in a G, a C, or a D minor, any one of those minor tunings. They'll constantly be moving in and out of a major. I just figured that out yesterday. <laughs> yeah, that's that's what you get for slowing down, right? That's it, and like and and studying something like uh, you know, like I said, I I've got videos of it from you know years ago, and I was just looking at one this morning, just kind of going, oh, okay, this is this is what he's doing, like okay, I'll, you know. Now, can I do it yet? No, I, I can't do it yet. But it might come later on. But just think, you gotta. But just like what you know, you're right. You gotta slow down. <laughs> yeah. What does that uh, what does that mean being up in Canada, and just representing Mississippi, Alabama, like you do, especially because, uh, the blues really, you know, we could say, it was birthed out of Mississippi which is uh, the birth of, if you want to say, rock and roll, uh, even punk rock. Uh, you know, I, I tell people that punk rock is the blues sped up. Uh, but, 
but uh yeah and uh even country i mean the blues has really uh inspired a lot of genres of music i mean you have like yeah. the stones and led zeppelin uh you know uh what is it uh front man for the stones what mick jagger i mean was it, he has a dirt jar from you know that crossroad Wow. You know, I mean, there, there's a lot of, there's a lot of inspiration there. So, I mean, what's it like being in Canada and like uh, carrying that torch? Well, I think it's important. Um, I think that, um, I think that it's important. Uh, I, I, I kind of think, look at it as like, I want to be a good ambassador to, to my home. Like I want to. Um, I want to be a part of, uh, of some healing, if there's any healing to be done, you know, like I want to, you know, I want the music to respect the people that taught me, and mm-hmm. I think that's important, and, you know, so like on this last Country Supper album, the 16 songs, six of them were covers, and I did that on purpose, just because, you know, if it wasn't for those, those particular people that wrote those songs that I covered, you know, like those are the ones that kind of that, that, that are teaching me and helping me through. And, um, you know, it's the same way with being from here. You know, like I get inspiration from my home. I get inspiration knowing that I'm from where I'm from. Mm-hmm. Even though, even though when sometimes when you look at home, like on, you know, home viewed from somewhere else, it can it can look kind of dark at times and um you know but it ain't a struggle that anybody else ain't dealing with anywhere else i mean you know i look you know when this whole pandemic thing started it's you know you see people running off like oh i don't want to do this or that and a lot of those people were it seemed to me like they were from the south and then but now it's like hell we just had an anti-mask rally in downtown vancouver yesterday you know and it's like there's people everywhere that are kind of, you know, um, you know, everybody's kind of struggling with the same things, right? And that's right. I don't think that I don't think that anybody's, you know, right or wrong. I think that it's, you know, it's our job to try to just do the next right thing. And so, you know, yeah, I think it's important to be a musician from Mississippi in Vancouver and to try to to try to bring. Um, something good to the table because there's so much good that is from Mississippi like you just said you know and the blues when you think about what the blues is it was born of, of like a being in a spiritually trying to spiritually heal it was born from being in a bad place it was born from uh, community it was born from the yearning for something better that's and, right I mean, I mean, we're going back to uh, sharecroppers, and just to go exactly. back to what you said at the very beginning, with um, your white friends went to private schools. Well, why did we have private yeah. schools in Mississippi? Because when uh, segregation uh, ended, uh, well, white people didn't want to go to school with black people. So what did they do? They created a private school so that black people couldn't afford to go there. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, it's and, and you know, and just being able to look at those things honestly, you know, is it's imperative. Like we have to be able to look honestly at where we come from. If we can't do that, and you know, I've heard Jimmy talk about that. You know, like, I, you know, that's one of the things that is beautiful about learning from Jimmy is because it's not just about guitars. It's like that man teaches me about life. Like I've heard him talk about, you know. I can't be angry. I can't be angry. And I know what he's talking about because I know for me, whenever I get angry, it consumes me. Mm-hmm. I become ineffective, you know? And so it's important for me, especially nowadays, when I feel me getting angry, it's like, all right, I, I need to look like, where can I do some good here? How can I turn this into something good? You know, because I don't want to be separated from my brothers just because I don't agree with them. You know what I mean? That's right. You know, I mean, just to go back to the pandemic, um, you know, the the South, uh, like you said, I mean, it 
it really wasn't pro mask at all. Um, I mean, still isn't to this to this day. I mean, I hang out in Alabama, Mississippi yeah. all the time. Uh, you know, you go to the bigger cities, uh, they're for the mask. You get out in the rural areas, and people don't want to wear their yeah. mask. Um, yeah, it's the same up here. It's the same up there. And exactly. I mean, I don't think it matters where you go. Uh, and I think, you know, we're, yeah. you know, a year into this and, now. And and the thing is, is, uh, is, is we all kind of hurting. That's right. Yeah, I mean, we just want and, normalcy, uh, right? We just want things to go back the way they were. Because I mean, it's um, it's a kind of a it's a kind of oppression that nobody caused, and yeah. you know, you have the government trying to figure out what's the best way to deal with it, and then people agree or disagree with it you know and i mean yeah, yeah. that's that it's just it is what it is i guess you know <laughs> yeah and that's and, and what do you do you know it's like you gotta i just i, I kind of look at it as like all right well I'm gonna, I'm gonna try to take care of mine and try to be respectful of of others you know that's right that's all you can do and hope that uh everyone will do their part <laughs> exactly but, exactly but uh Man, just back to you and your music. Tell me more about uh, the Country Supper album. Uh, was it that was released last year? Yeah. Well, no. Uh, that one I just released that one um, just a month ago. Oh wow, so, dude! I've got to get a copy of that, dude. You got to mail me a copy. Oh yeah, for sure. In fact, I'll get your email address. I'll send you a download here. You got the whole thing. And um, but yeah, so we released Thirty South Blues, and then. That thing kind of started doing good, and then me and the boys, we actually flew down to Bentonia and played the Bentonia Blues Festival, and my drummer and my bass player, they got to play with Jimmy Duck Holmes and R.L. Boyce, and it was so much fun, and then... The Had they ever been down there? there? No, man, they had never been down there, <laughs> and I mean, it, it blew their mind, like... I bet drummer, it did. Oh man, he he. Uh, in fact, uh, I've heard, I've seen it in print up here in an article. He was one of the most respected drummers in Canada. He told me after that trip, he said, "Man, he was that was the most fun I've ever had playing." <laughs> <laughs> and um, but it was you know it's special, and and so we were so excited. And then when we got back to Vancouver, we went right into the studio, and we went into. The studio that we went into is called Hipposonic, and um, and it's but it's the studio. Oh, let's see, um, you remember Aerosmith made those three albums in the? I'm not sure how old you are, but they made three albums in the '80s. And it was like Pump and um, I think uh, Get a Grip maybe, and there was three albums kind of back to back. And they, anyway, they made them in the studio. Molly Crew's been in that studio. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, that was before man, my time, but I know those albums. Yeah, like ACDC's been in that studio, and so Bon Jovi's been in that studio. Like, so many, you know, great rock and roll records that I listened to when I was a kid were made in the studio. And so we had uh, two weekends set up in there, and, man, I just, you know, we just said, hey, let's just record all the songs we've been playing. So we had ten new songs, and we had been covering six songs, six or seven songs, um, just, you know, covers of R.L. Boyce, Leo Bud Welch, you know, Jesse Mayhem Hill, Jimmy Duck. So we just laid it all down, and, um, man, it was just, it was just something, it was just something so fun about being in that room. But it was also, it was also kind of a hard time for me. They had just found some cancer in me, and uh, I had, they told me I had to have a surgery, and, so, you know, I I don't know whether I was coming or going in those sessions. It was it just felt like all I could do to just you know be present and mm -hmm. um. But it was it was so special because you know we man we just we had a great time in those sessions and we got to work those songs. I played with a resonator. Never played with a resonator before. <laughs> harmonica. Usually don't play harmonica. So. You know, it, it, it was it was cool to just have this huge room with all these instruments and 
and just you know plenty of time to do what we needed to do <laughs> and there had to be something in the air right not only in that studio but i mean what y'all brought back from playing that blue show and especially since you took your whole band down there i mean there had y'all had to be like riding yeah. high oh man like that was the thing it was just like like we couldn't play it wrong if you know what i mean like it just felt so good and i think you're like you're exactly right by being down there you know being immersed in that kind of in the juke joint when there's you know it's full of people and it's just pumping you know like there's just an electricity you know there's just something that happens that's and right so to to be able to witness that and then to go back and take that excitement you know like i'm I'm really glad we did that. You know, we might even do that for the next album. <laughs> yeah, just yeah, just do it for each album coming out. All right, we got to go get inspired, boys. Yeah, if it ain't bug, don't fix it. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. Well, man, um, well, tell me. I know it's pandemic now, but uh, you released the album last month, and uh, of, I mean, what does life look like today? Of, uh, what are you working on? Um, well, it, you know, it, it's just, um, well, actually, I've been trying to do some promotion for, um, I did a, another album, I'll send you all of these, but earlier this year, right when the pandemic hit, uh, I did this online blues show, and, and so I hired a guy to come shoot me and my drummer doing a little duo set, and it turned into this really kind of sleazy heavy southern rock like 30 minutes set and we ended up releasing it as a live album so i've been trying to get to a little bit of promotion around that and you know just trying to push this country supper album out the door a little bit further and so uh you know i guess when things kind of open back up i'd love to get get down into the states and do some shows you know but who knows what that looks like you know you know um you know, one of the questions that's been the question of 2020 when I talk to musicians is, of uh, you know, when do you think we'll have live music? Because every now and then you'll have a outside show pop up, and you know, people will come out because they genuinely miss having live music. But at yeah. the same time, there's, you can feel it that there's a bit of angst. It's like yeah. I don't think we should really be doing this. Yeah, I know, I know what you mean. Like it's, I I haven't played, I haven't played a show since February, and you know I'm not going to, um, you know, and I I feel strongly about just, you know, I want to be a part of the healing, not the hurting, and I just don't think that, you know, like, I, man, I couldn't live with myself if I knew that one of my buddies or, or a fan came out to a show and they got sick. You know what I mean? Like That's right. Um I, you know, I, I mean what if what if you decided to do a little you know, a little show off your porch and uh you had people just kinda congregate out in the yard, but what if it turned into some kind of a super spreader? Well yeah, you know, and it could, especially right now, you know, so I think that, you know, uh kinda laying low is you know, it's definitely not gonna hurt. And another thing too is, is it's given me the opportunity to, to start to try to do things like on Instagram Live or on YouTube. Mm -hmm. You know, just to start to reach out to that fan base because it's all, there are people out there, and that's primarily how they get their music. So it's just something that I haven't done that I've started to do, and it's, it's starting to pay off. You know, but we release most of our stuff through Bandcamp, so. You know, like, I'm always, you know, putting song, new songs up or new videos up or something. Like, that's, I love Bandcamp. Uh, but, you know, YouTube's a great, a great way. And, you know, I just did an online show on Instagram the other night. And, you know, so just trying to look into different avenues for, you know, connecting with people is, yeah. I think, it's important right now. And when the live shows come back, or, you know, come back, like, it'll even be better to have that, to have that outlet. That's right. Um, we, uh, I'm having a third one December, or, yes, yeah, the third one. On December 18th, we've been doing uh, Porch Talk live streams with artists who have been on the show. Nice. And, um, nice, nice. And it's, it's just to promote, yes, they're still there, yes, they're still making music, 
and we just wanted to celebrate uh, their time being on the show, and we wanted to give them some more exposure. Yeah. And yeah. Um, man, they do well. I mean, I mean, people uh, really do eat that up, you know. Cause, oh yeah, you know, because anytime you can see, like, that's the thing. It's, it's one thing to like hit, listen to a CD or watch a music video, but man, like, I love watching my favorite artists, like, just you know, in their living, shit. you know, in their bedroom. <laughs> yeah, that's it. <laughs> oh, that's really cool, y'all are doing that. Yeah, and I mean, this next one that we're doing is also for a charity, and it's um. <laughs> He just moved from Jackson, Mississippi. He moved over to Athens, Georgia. And, um, oh, man, I love that town. Yeah. I used to live there. And so, uh, Porch Talk, when everything gets back to normal, that is the next town that I'm going to be spending a lot of ta- time in. And oh, so, nice, th- you know, it's a way for me to let the audience know that my eyes on Athens and also uh, any money that is, you know, given for that live stream is going to a um, a service that does art for the mentally disabled and children in Athens. And so there's, there's, oh, a, there's awesome. a good cause behind it. That's good. That's really cool. That's really cool. Um, man, that's, yeah, that is really cool. There's a, a lot of great music coming out of Athens. I mean, it's always been, but, man, there's a... Uh, there's a band I've been listening to lately called the Georgia Dish Boys, Seth Martin. That's right. Georgia he just Dish sent Boys. me his latest record. It is so good. Sending out my love. So good. Yeah, man. Well, yeah, you got to get him on the show, man. That guy's good. He's gonna. He's gonna be on. Nice. Matter yeah, of fact, yeah, he's gonna. Right he's on. gonna. He's. He'll probably be the first Athens musician I have. Hell yeah, man. That guy's good. <laughs> Yeah, man. Everything's coming full circle for us, man. That's what it's about, you know. And and all you gotta do is just keep doing. <laughs> That's right. Well, man, uh, I got a uh, question that I ask every well, musician. This is from uh, James right. Mullis of Early James. Is oh, yeah. uh, tell me, it could be your own. Or it could be someone who opened or closed or shared a set. Or it could be someone in the crowd. What is the worst or best banter you've ever heard? <laughs> worst or best banter? Oh, or both. Um, well, um, I do remember one of the things <coughs> I love about one of the things that I love about drive-by truckers is, and I've been seeing drive-by truckers. I see them the first time at the Earth Day Festival in Athens, Georgia, in 1998, and I've been seeing them ever since, and I've seen them everywhere. Does and anybody work sure. harder or tour more than them? And if they do, I do not know who they are. <laughs> But man, like, and I saw him play up here a couple of years ago, and I remember there was this fella, you know, we were, I was up front, and there was another fella up front, and he was kind of getting into it with his girl, and I remember Patterson Hood just stopped the set, and he called that guy out, and he was just like, I will come out there and throw you out of this fucking hand, which is like, yeah, here you go, Patterson, you know, and then he said, you treat your women good, you know. <laughs> it's just like, oh yeah, man, you know. And I love that. Yeah, I've seen Steve Earl. Uh, I've seen Steve Earl go off on somebody that was trying to get on stage for a set list and knock the microphone over, and it always hit a woman. And, you know. So, uh, but I think my favorite dancer ever was. Uh, um, oh man, um, uh, uh, who is the guy? Um, Ray Lamontagne. <laughs> Ray Lamontagne was playing a, I don't know, it was a live show, it was an acoustic show for a, a big sold-out crowd, and, and it was a really quiet set, and somebody in between songs, somebody just yelled, free bird, and he goes, fuck you. 
Oh, I've got to tell you this. I got to tell you this. This might be better than Freebird, and I and I might do it. The next live show I get to go to is uh, this was given to me uh, from Les Newby. Uh, but um, there's this sound guy. He works, uh, I think, at Saturn in Birmingham, and uh, the band had just played their first song. You know, and everybody was like, yay, and clapping. And uh, he just, when everything quieted down, he said, one more song. So, I was like, that, that's a lot of fun. And it's not, it's way better than saying Freebird. That's a good one. That's a good one. It's like, dude, they just started. You know you're going to get another song. Exactly. <laughs> well, he's the hoping we can get some live shows in soon, man. Yeah, man. Well, Robert, I don't have anything else for you. I would like you to plug all the different ways to connect with you and your music, uh, where they can find you and where they can find your music. Right on, right on. Well, Mike, uh, Alan, I appreciate you having me. Robert Conley Fart here. We just released an album, Country Supper. Um, you can get it on our Bandcamp page. It's got all the albums we released this year, which is Gasoline, Live and East Band, and Country Supper. We've also got our Dirty South Blues album from last year and all of our other albums that we did before that. Um, we're everywhere, iTunes, RobertConleyFar.com. Um, but I always try to drop people to the YouTube, but Twitter, YouTube, look us up. We're out there floating around somewhere. Yeah, and I will, uh, when you pass those tracks on to me, I'll pass them on to my radio friends and see if we can get you some airtime. Man, that'd be awesome. That'd be awesome. I'll send that to you. If you give me a, send me your email address after this, and I'll shoot that to you today. Will do. Well, all right, dude, thank you right so on, much bro. for taking the time. You take care, okay? Yeah, you too, man. I appreciate it. Yeah, man. News and notes. Thank you so much for listening to Porch Talk. If you haven't done so already, I would ask that you would rate and review the show on whatever podcast app it is that you listen to on. I don't understand the algorithms, but I know that works as far as it being able to be found. And so if you like the work that I'm doing and the people that I have on, tell your friend, tell your family, tell your coworker, uh, talk to your dog about it. Just tell somebody. Look, rate and review it. Now, go to MustinandBrothers.com and you can get a discount there on their wares. If you go through my website, ports-talk.net, and go to projects and click on that from there, you can do that for the holidays, for the beard in your life. Even if you don't have that beard that's in your life, maybe you're buying for some kind of other beard, or maybe you just want a candle. We don't just have bearded dude stuff. You can do that there. We also, we sell shaving stuff as well. I want to spend some time with you to talk to about a community and charity and giving in Birmingham, Alabama. As you know, I have spent a immense amount of time in Birmingham over the past two or three months getting well-versed and involved in the music scene there. I wanted to tell you about this. Build the fire tash. Build the firehouse. That's a hashtag. You can look that up. But go to buildthefirehouse.swell.gives. This is a way that you can connect. Now what this is, is these are musicians who are teaching children music. They're giving music lessons. And it's a very DIY thing. It's not the only thing going on there. Go there to see all the good that's being done. People like Taylor Hollinsworth and other members of the Blips are involved on this. And not just there, there's a lot of people involved. Check out Build the Firehouse if you want to support something great for children in Birmingham. Now, let's turn our eyes to Athens, Georgia. In Athens, we have Lovecraft. Now, Spencer Thomas will be playing a live stream if you haven't done so already. Please get involved with me and Porch Talk on social media, on Instagram and Facebook specifically. We have a Twitter, but I don't really do a whole lot there. 
But on Facebook, on December 18th, at, I think, 7 or 8, I have to look at the schedule, p.m., this is Central, you'll find it there. Spencer Thomas is going to do an hour-long live stream. It's for Lovecraft in Athens, Georgia. They make art for the mentally disabled and children. And when we were talking about this live stream, I love Spencer's heart on this. It's like, what can we do for the community? What can we do for the kids? Well, we found it. With Lovecraft, we can do local, and we can support the scene that he's in now. And even if you're not a part of Athens, it's a very viable thing for you to be a part of if you would watch this live stream. And if you feel so led to give... You can, and the proceeds will be going to Lovecraft. That is all I have going for you. That's all I have for you. Now, I'm going to walk the thing out the door. I'm going to get out of your way. This is the most time I've ever spent with you after an episode. We're going to walk it on out the door with uh, Gimme Yo Money. How fitting. By Robert Connolly Fair off of his 2020 album, Country Supper. Thank y'all so much for listening. And please share it with somebody. I'm out of here. Peace out.
Save big money on everything for your next project at Menards. Spring is here making it the perfect time for outdoor projects. Suncast storage sheds are an excellent solution for protecting outdoor lawn and gardening tools. They're easy to assemble, and the all-weather construction provides water resistance and UV protection. Save big on Suncast storage sheds. View our selection of Suncast products today in-store and on Menards.com. Save big. 